The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. Opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And welcome, Disability Law Show. As always, reaching out to Savannah, a member of his team, real simple, one 821 5900 That number toll-free, of course, email help at disabilityrights.ca. And an option for you to type some questions if uh, you don't want to make the phone call or you uh, you have your... Uh, your smartphone with you, mydisabilityquestions.com. You can use that as well. Savannah, today we'll have uh, our special guest is back. He's been in the insurance industry forever. Terry Corcoran will join us, uh, Savannah, with a bunch of uh, good stuff and questions answered by some of our listeners and our viewers as well. The TV show, by the way, on Global TV and CTV, you can catch uh, the Disability Law Show as well. So let's uh, let's get going before we get to a pile of emails. Savannah, what's up, pal? Hey, John. Yeah, it's been another very, very busy week. A lot of questions uh, questions that I'm fielding each and every day from listeners uh, and people who just email me from across the country, really, with their questions about long-term disability uh, and the interaction of that with CPP disability, for example. So, so let me start off, uh, and, and I'm going to get uh, Terry's take on this as well. There was a question that was posted on our website, mydisabilityquestions.com, and this one comes from Carmen. And Carmen writes, I have been on LTD for over six months. My doctor says I cannot work. I just got a phone call from my insurance company saying that they want to to push me off their payroll and force me to apply for Canada Disability Pension. I would like to find out if if the insurance company has the right to force me to receive less money than I am receiving right now. That's the question. So, you know, when, when I looked at this, this is a common question that I get, not necessarily framed this way, but people asking me, you know, the insurance company is telling me I have to apply for CPP disability. Do I have to do so? And what happens if I don't? And again, we'll get Terry's take on this. But, you know, the general advice that I give is I tell people, look, most LTD policies nowadays contain a provision that says that uh, it, 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 you have an obligation to apply for CPP disability. And especially if the insurance company is telling you, you know, you need to do that, then you should do that. If you don't do that, here's what could probably happen. In fact, this is what I often see happen. The insurance company takes the position uh, that you ought to have applied. Mm-hmm. And had you applied for CPP disability, th- you know, you would have received X amount of dollars had you been approved. And, and what they're saying is, look, under the policy of insurance, we are entitled to a credit for that amount. And because you did not apply for CPP disability, we are going to estimate how much we think you ought to have received and then reduce your monthly LTD benefits accordingly. And, of course, people get upset by that. And I tell them, don't get upset by that. They're actually, you know, you, you actually have benefits by being on CPP disability. And, you know, the first benefit that you have is that, you know, it's not easy to get CPP disability. If you actually make the application, you get approved, well, then for the insurance company, it's going to be that much, much more difficult down the road to say that you're not disabled and you should not be receiving LTD. That's number one. Number two, uh, if the LTD insurer eventually cuts you off, which unfortunately they do in many cases when they should not, at least you have some money coming in from CPP disability while we fight your LTD insurer and bring them to the table to either reinstate you or pay you some kind of a settlement for your claim. So it's really important to understand that, you know, if if your LTD insurer tells you to apply for CPP disability, you should apply for it. And I know that Terry and I have had discussions before about this. And I think that this gentleman here, uh, who, you know, who's who's 
pose the question, you know, understandably so, thinks that the insurance company is just trying to shift over the responsibility for paying these payments, these disability payments, to uh, the government. But the reality is that under the policy of insurance, if there is a provision that says that you need to apply for CPP disability, then it's a contractual term. You have to do that. And if you don't, you're, you are going to bear the consequences, which likely means that your LTD benefits will go down. Terry, what are your thoughts about this? You've summarized it perfectly, Savannah. That's, that's everything you said is going to happen. We have the contractual right to offset CPP. We will ask you to apply for it. But on a, when, when you're approved for CPP, two things. You're not going to be out of pocket because you're going to get the same amount of money that your insurance policy called for. It's just that part of it will be from, from us and the other part will be from CPP. I think that was one of his concerns, right? Yeah, I believe that. Yeah, exactly. That One of his concerns exactly were that he thinks he's going to get less money at the end of the day. Yeah, uh, that's not going to be so. Don't it, some people some people assume they're going to get more. They're not double dipping, though. That they, You don't want to mislead them that way, right? Some people think, oh, I'm going to get both. It's going to double my income while I'm off. That's not true. No, that no, no. Not- it's absolutely... Yeah, exactly. No, it's not true. You're not going to get both. In, in fact, you cannot get both. Right. And LTD policies contain provisions that entitle them to a credit for many things, like severance, CPP disability, workers' compensation. So it's important to understand that you know, the way that, that these policies are structured and the way legislation generally, when you're dealing with these kinds of benefits, is structured is that... Uh, you know, you're not getting one plus one plus one plus one. All these, yeah. all these things on top of each other. It doesn't work that way, unfortunately, for these individuals. Uh, it, usually, there is some kind of a priority, and and there is a, there's a first payor, and and you know, if there's an insurance policy, generally speaking, insurance companies like to pay as little as possible, so they have provisions in their policies that give them credit for virtually almost anything. Uh, but, but you know, again, there are benefits for being on CPP disability. And by the way, if you apply for it and you get denied, at least the insurance company can't deduct anything because right. they can't say you haven't tried, yeah. right? So, I mean, that's important to understand as well. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And once you're approved for CPP, it's a, it's a harder definition of disability. Uh, it's, uh, it, 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 it's a severe and prolonged definition. Mm-hmm. And so somewhere down the road, if you've been approved for CPP disability and I try to cut you off on the basis of not being totally disabled, I'm going to have a problem fighting that when you've already been approved for CPP with a tougher definition. And, John, this is important to understand here. I mean, this yeah. is Terry here speaking. And, again, you, you introduced him as being somebody who was in the insurance industry for for forever, as you said. And I think, Terry, it's been several decades that you've worked in the insurance industry and you've worked at, at fairly high positions. Maybe just recap a bit of your experience on the other side, working for insurance. I was in, in total 35 years in the business. Wow. And most of the time I was in... Uh, executive positions, and I was determining claim philosophies and um, and uh, also establishing profitability for the company. And I, I and I was also um, the face of the insurance company at all legal proceedings. So uh, that that's kind of the extent of my background and how it ties into the disability law show. 
I'm, 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 I'm really happy, I have to say, that you know, you're know you on the show now and you're giving us the other perspective because, you know, occasionally I do get emails and voicemails from uh, disgruntled insurance employees, current insurance employees. Uh, although I got to tell you, sometimes I do get also contacted by individuals who praise what we do here, who do work for insurance, right? And, uh, you know, they are on the inside. So, uh, you know, we do try to have a balanced approach. I know that I am generally against insurance companies, but we all need insurance. And the issue here is not that insurance should not be there. We all need insurance. It's just that we want it to be fair and we want them to deal, you know, to deal fairly, especially with disabled individuals. That's exactly the point. And there are some bad actors out there. And sometimes it's just an individual within that insurance company that is not doing the job properly. And you should mention, too, Savannah, I mean, Terry Fine has been around, you know, 30-plus uh, years in the industry. But you, too, you were on the other side of the table at one point as well. So you understand the ins and outs of, of working for those insurance companies, too, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I started my, my legal career working for insurers, initially defending them. And so, you know, you do gain a perspective by working sure. on the other side. And, and, you know, it's important to understand insurance companies often gripe about the fact that there's so much fraud going on. And there is this narrative out there. And, and I'm not saying that there is no fraud. But, you know, it's, it's, when we hear, especially now, you know, we've been talking in the last few shows, John, about these class actions that my firm has started against travel insurers for not paying travel insurance claim. When it's so blatantly obvious that these claims ought to be paid to individuals across Canada, you know, then people are scratching their heads and think, okay, you're saying everybody else is committing fraud. What about you guys? You guys collected millions of dollars of premiums exactly for an eventuality, not necessarily because of the pandemic, but in the event that, you know, there is a reason to cancel the trip and here now you're not paying anyone anything. And that's just not fair. So it's a fairness issue. Same thing with disability claims. I'm not saying that in every instance when an insurance company uh, refuses to, to pay a claimant LTD or, or cuts them off that they're wrong. I'm not saying, in fact, people come to me sometimes, I look at their case and I tell them, look, the insurance company is correct. You can do some other job, so therefore you cannot get those benefits beyond the two-year mark. Or, or maybe you do have a pre-existing condition that precludes you from coverage. You know, insurance companies have rights just like you and I. What I don't like is when it's clear to me that the insurance adjuster knows that they are wrong. And I only say knows because it's just blatantly obvious that they know and they still cut people off and they deny their claims and people should not be bullied by that and people should not back off from their rights and you know John I think I've done about 20 interviews in the past two weeks news media interviews with the CBC with the Toronto Star with whoever you want about those class action suits that we did and my message has been clear if you believe that your rights were trampled on by the insurance company. If the insurance company has not paid you what you're owed, you need to get legal help. You need to educate yourself because that's how you fix that power imbalance. It's all about education and understanding what your rights are. Insurance companies are not above the law. You do have the power to stand up. And this is what we do here each and every week. We educate the public across the country on different media platforms to make sure people know what their rights are. Lots more to go, guys. Let's take a short pause. We'll get into uh, some questions and some emails and continue on with Terry Corcoran, our guest, our contributor, longtime contributor to the show. In the meantime, you'll want to reach out to Savannah, a member of his team, one 855 The phone number, website, disabilityrights.ca. Put a help at in front of that. You'll get the email address, help at disabilityrights.ca. It's a disability law show. This is Global News Radio. 
You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And back to it, uh, Disability Law Show, reaching out to Savan or his team. Do it. Write it down. Keep the number if you want more of a private conversation. one 821 5900 and disabilityrights.ca. Terry Corcoran is with us, our contributor to the show. Comes in once in a while to uh, give a little perspective and some clear vision when it comes to dealing with your insurance company, having been there for decades on that side of the table. Savan, so, you got another email and some more uh, some more points and issues to cover with Terry, right? Yeah, absolutely. I got an email last night, which was interesting. Um, again, our email address is help at disabilityrights.ca, uh, and I answer those those emails, by the way, directly. So this one comes from a, from a lady um, just outside of Vancouver, and she writes, I'm currently in receipt of LTD benefits, and my insurance provider wants to give them access to my medical records. Uh, I, I think what she means is that uh, the insurance company wants more access to her medical records. Uh, even though I update them every six months as per their requests with regards to my disability condition. My question is this, what kind of medical records should they have access to? I totally, I feel totally uncomfortable giving them access to my whole medical history. So this is interesting because, you know, we're talking about privacy concerns here. And my general feeling here is, and my understanding of the way the law works, and Terry can chime in on his end, you know, is that the insurance company needs certain medical records and documentation to assess a person's disability and, and, and certainly to assess, you know, the person's progress as, as they move through, you know, their disability, especially if they're on claim. They need those updates. I have seen situations where the insurance company says to the person, sign this blanket authorization allowing us to get everything under the sun. Look, uh, this is a contractual relationship here between the individual and the insurance company, even if we're dealing with a group disability benefits, okay, through work. Even if you're not the one who purchased this plan, but you're an employee of an employer that has a group benefits plan. There is a contract in place, and the policy dictates what the... uh, what each party's obligations and rights are. And so for the insurance company, they have a right under the policy to get certain information to be able to adjudicate your claim. It's just something that they have a right to, and it frankly, it makes sense because they can't you know, pay you benefits in a vacuum and without knowing what's going on. However, unless there is a provision that states that they're entitled to everything, to all your medical history, well, then they can't get that. And so, you know, the first thing that we do here when we get retained by an individual that's dealing with an LTD insurer, we immediately revoke every authorization ever given to the insurance company because we want to control the flow of information. So, so from my perspective, you know, I want to be able to assess what the, you know, what the insurance company needs. And frankly, I engage them in that discussion. What do you guys need? Don't tell me you need something from 30 years ago. Don't tell me you need something. If a person has psychological issues, don't tell me that you need something from this person's cardiologist. I mean, Terry may have a different viewpoint here, but my point is that, to me, the insurance company's requests have to be surgical. They have to tell me exactly what they need and why they need it for me to produce it on behalf of my client. Having said all that, when people just, you know, when people are on claim, they have not been cut off, and they're asking me, they're saying, look, I'm getting paid but this is what the insurance company is asking me, then I give them this answer that I just gave, but I also tell them, look, you need to understand that there is a practical component here. If you go back to your insurance company and say, I'm not going to release this information to you, 
the insurance company may cut you off. Now, I think that they may, they would, if they cut you off because of that, it would be inappropriate and we can fight them, but they may still cut you off, mm-hmm. which means that you will then have to come to me and engage me and then I'll have to deal with them. So in some instances, I can tell you, some people have said, okay, I get the advice. I should not have to produce everything and sign an authorization to give my rights away with respect to this medical information, but I also don't want to be cut off benefits, so I don't want to make the insurance adjuster angry. You have to make that calculation. You know, I, again, my advice is when you engage with the insurance company, probe the adjuster as to why it is that they want a blanket authorization, why do they need all this information, assess that and engage them in that conversation and try to limit how much information they get, but understand that they do have a right to certain information that is required for them to adjudicate the claim. So I've talked a lot here. Uh, Terry, I'd love to, 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 you know, to know your thoughts on this. I think you hit the nail on the head when you start talking about authorizations. Now, when you submit your LTD claim to me, uh, it's pretty much a standard set of forms that is used by almost every insurer. And at the bottom of one of the forms will be an authorization that the person signs saying, you may have access to, and it's a, it's a very broad list of things that you're authorizing me to access. And if you send that in to me, amended in some way, you've, you've struck something off from the authorization before you signed it, uh, that, that's going to be a red flag to me. Hmm. But you can re- uh, revoke it, as you were, as you were saying, um, uh, partic- particularly if the revocation is coming from a lawyer, it's going to get our attention. But up front in the process, I think you kind of have to weigh the, the good with the bad and, and before you try to amend that authorization and send it to me. So basically, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's not a one-size-fits-all. You have to sort of look at it case by case. And, and people, I mean, you agree, Terry, people have a right to be concerned about just giving a blanket release here to the insurance company. The, the, well, um, yes, but the, the information isn't going to go very far. It's just going to come to us. It's not like we're going to distribute that information. Uh, that, that would be against every rule regarding privacy in the country. Uh, but it is, if you're concerned about that, that there's information you don't want us to have, um, you got to play your cards pretty subtly. Hmm. Or you're going to just red flag yourself. By the way, you want to reach out anytime, guys, 1-855-821-5900 and uh, help at disabilityrights.ca. It's uh, it's really simple just to clear up any uh, misinformation with Savan, and he can always uh, refer to uh, to Terry's brilliance as well. Savan, what else you got going on, Paul? Well, uh, John, let's move on to some other interesting things that we okay. talk about. But now that we have Terry, I'd like to get his thoughts. So we often talk about appeals in the yeah. long-term disability context, right? It's oh, a dirty brother. word, appeals. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that but, was awesome. Right. So, so, I mean, I hate these appeals. These are internal processes. Uh, again, a lot of people end up coming to us after they have done one or two or three of these appeals and understood that it was a complete waste of time, very frustrating. Months and months have gone by and, uh, you know, nothing's happened. Um, so I guess my question, Terry, is 
from the other side, having been in the industry, working on the insurance side for 35 years, you tell us, you tell the listeners, you give them the goods about these LTD appeals. I, by the way, I've requested, I've told you this before, I've requested statistics from insurance companies uh, about the success of these appeals. No one appears to have any statistics, no, surprisingly. They have statistics about no. everything. They don't have them about this, or at least they don't want to release those. What can you tell us from your vantage point? Uh, you know, what are your thoughts about these appeals? Should people actually engage in those? Is there a point? I call appeals a merry-go-round for claimants. You're going to get on, you're going to go round and round, and you're going to end up right where you started. It, you're coming, you're knocking on my door, and you're asking me, uh, are you sure about that decision? And and yeah, yeah, we're absolutely sure about it. And the appeals process, like you were saying, it's an internal process. It's um, uh, on the surface, some people might interpret it as being uh, generating some kind of a review by uh, uh, an independent third party. No, it's a completely internal review. Um, in fact, I got a question uh, for you, Savan. Have you ever seen appeals written into an insurance policy uh no i have not that's interesting actually that's interesting mm. i never even thought about that no yeah you can look at that policy until your eyes are getting crossed you're not going to find it it is it is simply something that we offer because well primarily to be honest it's because our regulators like to see that you have a practice for appeals they, they like that. And I think the general public likes to think that, oh, yeah, well, they're a fair, fair batch, a fair bunch of guys. They're going to let me appeal this. But unless you're coming back to me with some new game-changing information, you're wasting your time and all you I have a funny uh, uh, sidebar here. Uh, I've been corresponding with uh, a gentleman um, around Toronto here. It's again, it's in respect of one of these travel insurance claims. And uh, the person was supposed to go to Club Med uh, in March. And of course, this was canceled because of COVID. And he submitted a, a trip cancellation claim. Uh, with this insurance company and and of course they've refused on the basis that he was offered a credit or a voucher of course the policy doesn't say anything again just like the TD class action doesn't say that if you are offered a voucher or a credit then that disentitles you to reimbursement so anyways um, I have not been directly dealing with the insurance company I've just been advising you know this this couple here and um, <laughs> the funny thing is that uh, you know they've been ignored for quite a while and so when they finally got the denial um, I sort of told them what they should be telling the insurance company. Specifically, I said that they've been corresponding with me, you know, that, that lead lawyer on that TD insurance class action lawsuit. And uh, they send that email to, to the insurance company, and I think they get an email back within two minutes uh, saying that uh, it's been sent up the chain of command over there with the insurance company, and they're going you know, to they're they're come back with a decision soon. Wow. Uh, so, so you know, insurance companies are very, I think, sensitive also to bad press. 
they understand that the public sees them in a certain light. Uh, so, you know, when, when Terry talks about these appeals being a merry-go-round, I actually think that there has not been enough attention given to these, you know, to, to this process, which to me is just, this is a process that, that's not regulated. It's, it's a process whereby, again, there are no statistics. I actually think it's an abuse of the actual trust that they have with individuals out there. It's one thing to be upfront and to say, look, unless you have, as Terry said, really new information, something that can change my mind. And by the way, here's the statistics on these kinds of, of you know, situations that may change our minds. I, I just, I think, I think it's disingenuous to lead people down that path when in fact they do have another path, which is the legal path, which is what we advocate for. Because at the end of the day, once we start a legal claim against an insurance company, the insurance company understands that at the end of the day, if they don't come to the table to negotiate a resolution and there is no settlement, they may end up before a judge and they may not like the result that they, that they end up getting from a judge. Not to mention the fact that it's going to cost them an arm and a leg to fight that claim. Uh, the legitimate claim. So, you know, it's something to consider here that these appeals, again, as Terry says, are a merry-go-round. And, and I think oftentimes, not only do they result in nothing, but they result in added frustration to individuals and to families who desperately need this money to which they're entitled. Allow me to, to interject about how big a sham this, this whole appeals route is. I know of one insurance company in particular, I won't identify them, but your claim doesn't even get a fresh set of eyes until you've appealed the third time. Wow. Yeah. Why am I that not surprised? Forever. That could be take forever. Yeah. I'd love to out them, but I'm not going to. Ah! I know you would. Guys, yeah. want to take a short break on another question for you, how uh, insurance companies view... Uh, law firms, certain law firms, Terry. We'll get to that. I know Savannah wants to dig down into that one a little more. In the meantime, toll free to reach out, one 821 5900 is the number. The website's disabilityrights.ca. You can go there anytime for lots more information. And uh, help at disabilityrights.ca. That's the email address we will be going to in the next segment as well, so stand by for that. It's the Disability Law Show on Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And welcome back. Disability Law Show. Terry Corcoran is here from the insurance side of things. And, of course, Savan is uh, taking all of your questions through email as well. Help at disabilityrights.ca. You want to uh, call Savan and his team for a conversation? Easy. Toll-free, 1-855-821-5900. Uh, Savan, we'll get to an email here in just a couple minutes, but I know you got one uh, interesting question still uh, for Terry before uh, we either let him go or keep him sticking around for the emails. But either way, go ahead, pal. Okay, so Terry, this is a, an interesting question because um, I, I certainly have my views on it, having been on the other side, again, defending insurance companies years and years ago. You know, insurance companies, I think, uh, frankly, I know actually from my experience, uh, they're very well aware who the major players are, who are the top law firms, the top lawyers that they should be, you know, really paying attention to when they see a claim coming from one of those law firms. And, and they also know who you know the smaller players are or the ones that have no name, so to speak, no insurance, no cachet. 
And so, you know, I, I'll, just to give you an, an anecdote from my perspective, and then I'll, I'll ask you, Terry, you know, to speak from your experience. When I used to be a very young defense lawyer, uh, I remember, uh, you know, having a claim put on my desk to defend. So this was somebody who was starting a legal claim, and I was tasked by my senior partner at the firm uh, on behalf of the insurance company we were defending to defend them. Yeah. And one of the first things that senior partner told me is flip the claim over to the to the to the last page, the back page, and see who the lawyer and who the law firm is that's advancing the claim. And I said, why? And he said, because that's going to give you an idea on how to defend the claim, and certainly it's going to inform the insurance company on what reserves to put in place for an eventual settlement if there is a settlement. Wow. And in fact, in some instances, in, you know, we we knew that there were some lawyers that simply had no backbone. And we knew that there were some law firms that had no resources to advance. And so the insurance company took a hardline approach, even though the claim was legitimate, because they knew that the lawyer would back down. And, and, and so, you know, that advice sort of stayed with me for as long as I was doing defense work, uh, specifically, because every time I would get a claim to defend on my desk, I would flip over to the other side, to the back page, and then see who the lawyer is. And I'll tell you, I had claims. Uh, similar claims where because I saw a certain name of a lawyer or a law firm that had a very, very strong reputation, we knew that they would go all the way if need be and they had the resources and experience to advance their client's case. I, I can tell you that the insurance company I was reporting to would often reserve two to three times the amount of money that they would otherwise put aside to settle the case. Now, people out there, they don't know this. This is not something that's general information. Insurance companies like to say, you know, we look at everything equally. That's not true. That's not true. You know, it's very different if you're going to war against the United States versus a country that has no military, right? It's the same idea. You want to make sure that if you hire a lawyer or a law firm, you are hiring the big guns because that's going to make a huge difference at the end of the day uh, with respect to what amount of money that's going to end up in your pocket. So that's been my experience. Terry, you tell us. You just basically described my experience over the years. When a letter came in uh, from a lawyer, the very first thing I looked at was the letterhead and then the signature block. Because we, like you said, we know who the better players are. Basically, it's like, oh, not this guy. This guy's got our number. We're going to have to really pay attention here. Um, And there. The firms that we pay attention to are the ones that we know have a a reputation of being able to spot the weaknesses in our cases a bit too well. And so I'm going to pay a lot more attention to that correspondence from that law firm or that lawyer than I'm going to pay to uh, Peter Piper in Podunk, Ontario. I'm I'm just... (laughs) back and and figure out how much of him I'm going to eat for lunch. Uh, it's it's it, and it's absolutely important that whoever is you choose to represent you has got the uh the 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 knowledge and in particular the negotiation skills. You know, it's interesting. Uh, when when I had um, met Terry, I think I think it was for coffee. I think uh, Terry you can correct me. It was a few years back. Uh, and and you had told me who you know when you were on the other side who would your art you know who who was your arch nemesis I remember uh, you know, yeah you remember this the 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 lawyer on the other side that you know sort of made your life hell uh, because you were on for the insurance company and that lawyer was on for the little guy 
and, and you had mentioned the name Jack Fireman. And by the way, I don't know if you know, but he just passed away recently. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and Jack Fireman was was one of the top top lawyers, I would say probably in the country, first as a defense lawyer and then as a plaintiff lawyer. I mean, he, he had just a reputation as just a tank. And and his son, James Fireman, is a partner at our firm, a very good friend of mine. In fact, my, my roommate from law school. Uh, and, and, you know, James is, I think, caliber rivals his dad in terms of intelligence and abilities. And, and again, you know, this is just to put it out there that it is so important, so important to go to the right lawyer Whatever the legal issue you're dealing with, whether it's disability law, personal injury, family law, immigration law, you need the people with the expertise. You need the people who not only have the expertise, but actually, you know, you know, I was going to say, <laughs> care about you, right? That they're going to actually take your case and advances as best they can, as opposed to just, you know, just treat it as like a factory, just like another widget. Uh, so, so really, really important. And, and I still remember that conversation, Terry. It just, it, it really made an impact on me. Well, yeah, it's, and, and everything you're saying is true in particular about Jack and, and with James, I, I don't think the, uh, apples fallen far from the tree. Yeah. Yeah. Guys want to get in, at least start reading this first email, Savan, before we uh, got to take a break. This one from Bonnie. By the way, you want to send one along? No problem. Help at disabilityrights.ca. As follows, because guys, my husband was in a motorcycle crash last year. When a truck ran a stop sign and hit him, he broke his pelvis and suffered a brain injury. He's 37, still needs care at home. He worked as a software engineer and has long-term disability through his company. They approved him initially, but then they discontinued his payments because they said that we didn't provide ongoing medical updates. The problem is, when COVID happened, his doctors became extremely busy, and it was very difficult to get a hold of them. Because of these days, uh, because of these delays, his benefits stopped, and we don't know what to do. Can you help, Bonnie? Absolutely, we can help. And and you know, there are several issues here to deal with. Uh, not only the disability issue here, which I think is just insane that the insurance company is taking this position, especially during this pandemic, but obviously with respect to the accident that happened. And this is important to understand because you know you have two types of claims here that may be competing, maybe even three types of claims, right? There's a tort claim against whoever caused the accident, accident benefits claim with respect to, you know, to your husband's own insurance company and the benefits that he's entitled to from them. And then, of course, you have the long-term disability policy here. So you potentially have three insurance companies that we have to deal with. And, and you know, there's a lot, a lot to discuss. And I know, John, we're running out of time, so maybe we can just revisit this at the next segment and, and I can talk a bit more substantively about what Bonnie and her husband should no. Bonnie, stand by. We will get your email. Just read it. We'll revisit it after that short break. As uh, Savan mentioned, you want to call through. In the meantime, one 821 5900 the number anytime, help at disabilityrights.ca is the email address we use. And to ask questions any other time, you can do it uh, discreetly at mydisabilityquestions.com. At that website, type in your question. There's a database of questions already asked. It may have been answered in depth, your question, I mean. If not, leave it there and the guys will get to it. Uh, in short order for sure. MyDisabilityQuestions.com. We'll continue short break and right back at it. Disability Law Show, Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. 
The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And welcome back. Uh, Disability Law Show reaching out to Savan or his team, James. Otherwise, uh, 1-855-821-5900. Toll-free number. Help at Disability Rights. Let's pick it up with uh, Bonnie's email, Savan, before we took a break. Husband's off, had a uh, had an accident, and has been tro- having trouble since COVID. Getting hold of his doctors for medical updates. So the insurance company said, no, that's okay. We'll just... Uh, We'll just stop your benefits. How about that? Yeah, John. He's 37 years old. Had a broken pelvis and a brain yeah. injury. I mean, these are these are major, major injuries here for a young person. Uh, and here you have you know this insurance company who's taking this ludicrous position. And we're, I'm going to let Terry opine on that in a second, uh, in terms of the you know the long-term disability side. But but listen, he, Bonnie's husband was injured in, in a motorcycle crash, and, and you know she, he has a claim, a major claim here against whoever caused that crash, as well as with respect to his own insurance company, who is supposed to give him accident benefits, income replacement benefits, medical rehabilitation benefits, a whole slew of benefits. And here's the thing to understand. Not every lawyer has expertise in all of these areas of law, in personal injury, in disability, in employment. It's really important to understand that when these intersect, you want a law firm that is going to be able to advance your interests on all fronts because they overlap. And if you have one lawyer for the personal injury and one lawyer for the disability, you're going to have a problem at some point because if there's no communication between the lawyers, you could end up recovering on the LTD side only to have the the you know the 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 car accident case or the motorcycle case say that you're you're now going to be disadvantaged because you settled the disability side before you settled the the uh, motorcycle accident side. So my point is that our approach has always been to make sure that we advance all of these claims at the exact same time, okay? Make sure that when we enter into settlement negotiations and we go into a room, we have all the players there. We have all the insurance companies there so that they can't do finger pointing in a vacuum. We literally look at them and say, here's what our client is entitled to. You guys figure it out between yourselves who's paying what. I don't care. I just want my my client to be made whole. So this is really important to understand because in many instances, people do shop around for different lawyers, for different cases. And again, it's a situation of the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. So Bonnie, after the show, let's get in touch with each other. I'll explain to you and your husband exactly what needs to be done here. You know, John, we handle fairly significant car accident cases. Uh, in fact, that's our focus above and beyond disability cases, car accident cases, slip and fall cases, anything where you have significant injuries and significant impact to a person's life, a person's ability to earn a livelihood. We deal with those kinds of cases. We have the expertise and resources to help individuals and families get the compensation they deserve. So, so Terry, maybe you can just give us you know, your views about the long-term disability insurer here in Bonnie's husband's case, saying that they're not going to pay him benefits because he can't get them the proper updates from his doctors during this pandemic, while these doctors are really, you know, swamped with with everything else they have to deal with. Anecdotally, I've been hearing some of my brethren are leveraging COVID totally inappropriately. And to those companies, I I want to remind them that everybody from the prime minister to the premier to your local municipality has said, we are in this together. And that means that there is a corporate responsibility as well. 
And we're, we're seeing some corporate responsibility. We're seeing some of the banks stepping up and, and making exceptions. And insurance companies should not be using COVID to leverage a, a disabled person and cut off their income. I was, I was outraged. Yeah, and I think this outrage is warranted. And, and you know, you're talking to your brethren, uh, Terry, but the reality is, and I've spoken to friends of mine who are adjusters, they are getting pressure from above, you know, to, to do what they need to do to keep the numbers down, the number of claims down. And that means denying claims, that means cutting people off, and oftentimes they know that they are on murky ground. They know that, you know, there are question marks, and the reality is it, it's a numbers game. That's what I've been saying. I think in many instances, people are cut off or denied LTD, and the assumption is that most people will not fight back or that most people will engage through that appeal process that we talked about ad nauseum, you know, this appeal process that goes nowhere very fast, and again, get frustrated and and just, you know, fall off. And and I think that's the model, and, and it's unfortunate. It's something that we see over and over and over, and this is why it's so important for people to understand. You know, I'm a lawyer, so people out there may say, well, it's self-serving for you to tell people to call you. Well, then don't call me. Call another lawyer that knows what they're doing about this or, or research it yourself, whatever. The point is stand up for your rights. Don't be steamrolled by the insurance company. They, are, they have to abide by the laws just like you and I. They are not above the law, period. You know, when you talk about getting kicked when you're down, I mean, a lot of these people not only have these uh, physical problems, they can't get a hold of their doctors. I mean, because of COVID, now there's now you're getting a lot of uh, you know mental health issues as well with people not only being injured, but they're secluded and they can't go out, they can't socialize. It's just adding to the fire. It's just brutal, right? That's an excellent point. And in fact, I don't think a week goes by when I don't see some new article or, or news report about the, the, the just catastrophic effects of COVID on, on, on the psyche, not just oh, of Canadians, yeah. of just the global population in general. So yeah. people need to understand as well that, you know, the insurance industry is aware of this. And here's the other thing. Psychological claims are, are a bit more tricky for, for insurance companies and individuals because they're in a way, quote unquote, invisible illnesses, invisible injuries. You can't see them on an x-ray. And so insurance companies will often deny someone uh, LTD benefits or cut them off and then that person is having to struggle not only with their illness or injury but also with dealing with the insurance company again that's where we come in mm -hmm. because once we are involved we take over all the communications with the insurance company we take over dealing with your doctors with respect to the medical reports that we need so you know again and, and remember it doesn't cost anything to reach out to us and at least get that advice to have that conversation. You're not going to get an invoice for that. You're not going to get anything resembling you know, uh, a, 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 an obligation to pay. Nothing. We want to give you this information, and what you do with it is your choice. But as long as you're empowered, we've done our job. Fellas, we are, uh, we're out of time. I want to thank Terry Corcoran once again for joining the show. Love having your insight, brother. It's always good to, uh, to get you on here. You want to reach out uh, to Savannah, remember the team now. It's uh, be giving it all, all show long. It's really easy. 1-855-821-5900. If you want more of a discreet conversation, that's a good way to start. Disabilityrights.ca is the website. Help at disabilityrights.ca. We'll get you an email address. We can use that. And uh, you might get your email on a, uh, on a later show for sure. And again, another way for you to ask questions free uh, about LTD, mydisabilityquestions.com. That's the way to do that. We'll catch you next time. This is the Disability Law Show on Global News Radio. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. 
Opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.